Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love sharing news from our sponsor, Healing Inside Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are here to help you, especially when it comes to the health concerns that are unique to us women. At Healing Insight, women's health is a huge priority. They're helping women who think they just have to live with things like painful periods, PMS and PMDD, endometriosis and fibroids. Women like Beth, who shared this testimonial. She said, I had such bad cramps that I was suffering with PMS for three weeks out of the month and my moods were all over the place. The practitioners at Healing Insight worked their magic with acupuncture and herbs. I feel like a much better version of myself again. Senya says many of her patients are like Beth who think being on the birth control permanently is the only way to solve their hormonal issues and Senya says that's just not true. Healing Insight's holistic approach can rebalance your hormones naturally so you're not struggling with your cycle every month. And Healing Insight practitioner Nikki Ballian was also just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's one of only nine practitioners to have this certification in the whole state of Minnesota. Listen to the episodes of Best of the Nest featuring Senya, number 25, simply titled Anxiety, and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best of the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Some people say Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. Marjorie. I disagree. <laughs> this is the most wonderful time of year because it's the harvest. It's the harvest season, which is upon us. And I find it to be so wonderful and delightful. People get depressed about the end of the summer. And I'm thinking, get everything out of the garden. Put it up. Have a great time and get oh. ready to get cozy. This is like, to me, the, the time of year that I wait for more than any other time. Well, we talked about this a little bit on the nest, and I had wanted an update on your garden because I had a teeny tiny strip in Kansas, and it was it's wonderful. It was very fulfilling, even though my harvest was very small. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm back in Tempe now, Elizabeth, and one of the things I love to harvest in Tempe are my lemons. So we get a great lemon crop off the citrus tree in like January, February. I, I pick all the lemons. So I came home, and I was so thrilled that the lemon tree was okay. Yeah. I had I had, had a little leak in my drip system. I had turned everything off, but I had this little leak, and it's what kept the lemon tree alive. <laughs> and then inexplicably, I was here two days. I walked out in the morning on the third day, and the main branch of the lemon tree had died. Oh. It just died. And it was 2020. I'll just say 2020. Yeah, 2020. Even the lemon trees can't escape. 2020. (laughs) 
And this is why I love talking to you about gardening is because it hurt my heart. (laughs) I love that tree so much because it has given me so much. And that's the beauty of gardening is it's just an amazing thing. So tell tell me what you're harvesting right now. Right now, it's all about tomatoes. I'm going to pull all the beets out. They're ready to go. I'm pulling shallots out. They're ready to go. I have never grown leeks prior to this year, and so I'm not quite sure when to harvest them. So I'm going to pull one and kind of see how it's going. I've got tons. Oh, Elizabeth, I'm not quite sure what to do with a leek. A leek. You- oh, what a joy. They're like a mild onion. You can use them all sorts okay. of ways. They are okay. really wonderful. The most classic <laughs> is potato leek soup. Oh, sure. Which is fabulous and wonderful. Right. So I'll definitely be doing that. All my herbs I've been harvesting all summer. Kale I'm still harvesting. And then, and, and as I mentioned, tomatoes. I mean, tomatoes are like number one right now. I'm also harvesting cucumbers. And, oh. and then I'm going to... I'm going to plant some lettuces today in hopes that before the frost comes, I can get just another crop of little lettuces. Oh, that's nice. Now, do you do, do you do the stuff from, do you do your garden from seed or do you do it from little seedlings? I do a combination. I do mostly seedlings and then I do a few things from seed. So seedlings are really nice, particularly in Minnesota because we have a, we have a shorter growing season than other places. So in order to make sure that I can get everything in the ground, I like to do seedlings. That being said, my, my hope down the line is that I want to have a little small greenhouse in the yard that then I would start seeds in there earlier and then I'd be able to start my own seeds and I could still do it inside under a grow light. I just haven't done it every year. I'm like, Oh, this is the year I'm going to do it. And then April comes around and I don't do it. So plus I do really love going to the garden center and just seeing everything that they have there and what looks great and then picking things out and putting them in the ground. And it's so gratifying because it's so fast when you buy seedlings from the garden center and then you put them in the ground. I mean, it's just before you know it in just a couple of weeks, your garden has totally transformed. So I have to read you something. Uh, This was in the New Yorker in, um, it's either in this month's issue or last month's issue, but I pulled it because I just, I'm obsessed with what gardening means, particularly in the pandemic. And this was, it was a review of a book called The Well-Gardened Mind. But I just want to read this to you because I think you will identify this in, in so many ways. And then I want to talk more about what your garden does for the family. So the writer, she wrote, when we sow a seed, we plant a narrative of future possibility. Sue Stewart Smith, a British psychiatrist and psychotherapist, writes in her new book, The Well-Gardened Mind, a surprise bestseller in the UK. It came out in America earlier this summer. In recent years, the benefits of gardening to mental health have become widely acknowledged in Britain. Primary care doctors increasingly give patients a social prescription to do something like volunteer at a local community garden, believing that such work can sometimes be as beneficial as talk therapy or antidepressants. Okay, so good. In the well-gardened minds, Sue Stewart-Smith seeks to go beyond the truism that getting out in the garden is good for you. Much of the research that's been done has been by environmental psychologists who look at things like attention and cognition, she told me recently. That's all very important. But I was interested in the unconscious aspects of gardening, the symbolism, and the level of metaphor. Her book describes a middle-aged patient, Kay, 
whom she was treating for depression. As a child, Kay had experienced neglect and violence. As an adult, she often had conflicts with her two adolescent sons, whom she raised alone in a flat with a small garden that the boys had destroyed with their antics. When her sons moved out, Kay reclaimed the garden. One day in therapy, she made a striking observation. It is the only time I feel I am good. Wow. Stuart Smith explains that feeling one is good rather than merely feeling good is an example of gardening's reparative power. Gardening provided Kay a refuge and an engagement with the world beyond herself. It also gave her confirmation of her capacity to provide care and tenderness in a less fraught context than her family relationships. That's amazing. I need to read this book, The Well-Gardened Mind. Oh my gosh, I'm going to download that immediately. But you've essentially been saying that in your own way, all along in our conversations about gardening. Thank you, Marjorie. Thank you for saying that. Isn't that cool? (laughs) That makes me sound smarter than I thought I was. This is very exciting. (laughs) Isn't that cool? It is. I I feel Yeah, that's how I feel. I am good. Right. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel that I am good. How many Mm -hmm. people need that feeling? Everybody needs that feeling, which is interesting and not necessarily surprising then that gardening tends to take on a resurgence in times of trauma, like times of big social trauma. We reach to gardening to not only provide food for ourselves, but also to remind ourselves that we are good. That's what we're looking at right now in the pandemic. That's what we were looking back in the victory gardens during World War II. There is something so restorative and I think something innate. I mean, I really do believe fundamentally, and I have no scientific proof of this whatsoever, but I fundamentally (laughs) believe that when we are gardening, that every cell in our body is being fed by something because it is that connection to the earth. It's connection to something bigger than us. It's an understanding that we only have control over some things and the rest of it is all left to a greater system that is mysterious and beautiful and imperfectly perfect. Right. And I think that that's always been the thing that has drawn me to gardens. And I always say this, Marjorie, because, and you, you know, you laugh about your little, your little tiny strip of garden. And I am so, I am just like a a cheer for anyone who's growing anything. (laughs) And I just don't ever want people to feel like they've got to tear up 10 by 10 feet of their yard and massive and figure out this whole thing. Just growing anything, just connecting with any plant and connecting with it from the time that you grow for it, care for it, and then ultimately consume it, I think is an amazing form of therapy. I feel absolutely the best when I'm in the garden and I walk out there every day. And here's a beautiful explanation of why. And I think that goes back to, again, when we talk about this, I mean, you talk about the things that you're harvesting, but if we look at it from from a nurturing perspective... And I think about this for young children, and you were talking about how Bernie will just eat just eat the grapes right off the vine, just eat them yeah. right off the vine. And you think about what 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 is it doing to your children's cells? Like what is it doing to them to see the give and take of the earth, the cycles of the earth? All of those things are so hard to teach if you're not living it. 
But what, I mean, talk to me about what you see in them, because this is something that my children never really experienced. And yours have known nothing else but a seasonal garden. Yeah. And I only knew a little bit of it. I mean, I remember my dad built a big planter box when we were kids in our house in Apple Valley. And I remember him throwing pumpkin seeds out there just to see what would happen. And then the next year we had pumpkins. Right. And I remember him growing tomatoes and all of that, but it wasn't like this huge deal. But I remember liking it and thinking like, oh, I liked seeing the garden. Right. And then with my kids, you know, Franklin just this morning on his way out the door picked five tomatoes and Bernie grabbed an egg from the coop. And Bernie ran back in the house and yelled, I have good news. <laughs> and I said, what is it? And she showed me the egg so proudly. And we have a little ceramic egg holder on our counter. And so she runs right in and she knows gently how to put the egg in the egg holder. And then Franklin said, let's pick tomatoes before we go. Jay was just kind of getting settled and getting ready to get them out the door. And so Franklin picks tomatoes and then hands them to me. And then I bring them in the house. And when they come home at night, they love to get a bowl and pick as many ripe tomatoes as they can. And then Frankie sometimes picks a bunch of green ones. And I'm like, okay, can we not pick the green ones? (laughs) Please, please. But they love, they love being out there. And when we have, you know, you kind of know what your kids are excited about when people come over to your house, what they want to show them. Right. So they will say to people who come over, let's go, let me show you the garden. I want to show you our oh. garden. And then they take people back and show them, show them the garden. And so I can imagine that they're going to get more into it as we get older. And then they might just take it for granted for a while, but they understand, even though they're city kids, they live in Minneapolis. They understand that eggs come from chickens. So they understand that we rely on animals for food. And then they understand that we also can grow our own food. And I, that sounds so elementary and like something that we should all understand. And yet so many Americans don't know that and don't get that and have lost a connection to our food, which then you lose connection to the earth. You lose connection to something bigger than you. And that loss is not just about, oh, I just eat everything out of a package. I think, again, when you, when I talk about gardening, just feeding your your cells, just every cell in your body being nourished by that act, when you remove that from the equation and you remove a connection for, to food from the equation, I think that you remove something instinctual and innate in us that is required for us to live a full life. I, I don't, I, maybe that sounds like it's overstating it, but no, I'm going no, there. I don't think so. I mean, it goes back to what that the the theme of that book, which is the woman saying that when she was in her garden, she felt that she was good. Mm-hmm. And I love the nuance of that language that I feel that I am good as opposed to I'm feeling good because that's such a foundational difference in the language and such an important difference because we all know, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, conflict usually begins with someone who doesn't feel good. They don't feel good about themselves. They don't mm-hmm. feel that they are good. And so you just think of that just in the in the smallest way that if all of us could actually feel that we are good, what a difference that even makes. And I don't think that's too big a point to make. And I'll tell you, gosh, when was it? Last year, I went up to do a story about a winemaker in Arizona. 
And so there's a there's a pretty active winemaking community because we've got some of the right the right temperatures and the right soil mixture. If you go up into the mountains, it's got a little bit of that Mediterranean band. So yeah. we can we can have some decent wine from Arizona. So I went up to go interview Maynard Keenan, who was the lead. I didn't interview him. I went up to produce the piece. Our host interviewed him. So we went up to do the story, and he's a he's a the lead singer musician of the band Tool. So he's a winemaker here in Arizona. But before that, I'd gone up to shoot the, the the vineyard, and I met his father. And his father's probably, I think he was 85 or 86, Elizabeth. And he was one of those people that it was like, oh, my God, you're adorable. <laughs> you're just adorable because he was running the gardens. He wasn't running the vineyards, but he was running – they had another garden where they grow a lot of the things that they serve in the tasting rooms in the restaurant. And so I was talking to him about gardening, and he said, wherever I live, I have to have a plot of land to garden. Oh, yeah. I've never not had a garden. And he said – and he was he was super fit. He was just so agile. You know, he just, just by his body language, he read that he was in his, like, 30s. He moved in that way. And he said, I said, how, how, what is your secret? And he said, I eat from the garden. He said, I walk up and down the rows and I pop a tomato in my mouth and I just eat from the garden. And it was so inspirational. And it was that joy of it just exuded from him, which was, and in the midst of when I was interviewing him, we were having all of these conversations about gardening and all of that. And it was just all so inspirational. But if you could have seen him, it was just, it was so cool because you could just see that it was such a fundamental part of his attitude about life, his mm -hmm. attitude about who he was. It was a part of his being. It was super exciting to me. Hi, Nesters. We take a moment to pause and share some really valuable information from our sponsor, Exercise 180. When you become a member of Annalisha Nimala's Exercise 180 online community, one amazing thing you gain access to is Annalisha's E180 digital course. Christina from St. Paul says this about her experience of going through the course. Annalisha's Exercise 180 course will help you rediscover what matters to you and how you hold the keys to your health, happiness, and destiny. It will help you start living a healthier, happier, more inspired life now. It is so far apart from where typical health programs go. It's like she's light years into the future. Please, please, if you have a daughter, niece, cousin, or anyone in your life, including yourself, who struggles with body positivity and health issues, you cannot do yourself a better service than to go through the Exercise 180 course. It's probably the best thing I did for myself in 10 years or more. I would absolutely recommend the course to others. It's life-changing and life-affirming. It's far exceeded my expectations. It was so much better than I imagined it would be. Boy, how's that for a good review? Right now, you can take advantage of an exclusive E180 coupon code just for best to the nest listeners. Go to exercise180.com forward slash join dash now and use the code BTTN in all caps at checkout to save $100 on your E180 membership. But you got to hurry. This code is only valid through September 7th, 2020. Again, that's exercise180.com slash join dash now. And go back to episodes 92 and 143 of Best to the Nest to get a taste of Annalisha's groundbreaking philosophies on healthy living. It's interesting how it simultaneously makes you feel very kind of powerful and independent and connected with yourself. And then also at the same time, really well aware 
that you are such a tiny, tiny part of this existence. And I think that's good for us. You know, I think, (laughs) I think it's good to be connected with yourself and to have an awareness of who you are and a confidence in who you are. But at the same time to really understand that in the whole scheme of the world and the universe and humanity, that you are the tiniest blip. Right. You're just the tiniest blip because everything will go on without you. And and that's not to say that it should make you feel depressed. It just makes you understand and be grateful for what you have and also just not put too much pressure on yourself because I think we have this tendency, especially in American culture, where we are so pro-self, right? I mean, we are mm-hmm. pull yourself up from your yep. bootstraps. You can do anything. If you haven't achieved it's your fault. And there's so much individualism that is bred into us as Americans that it can feel, I, I don't know, I'm kind of convinced that that is what's leading to just this feeling of needing to numb pain so much because right. we feel like our pain is just so huge and so insurmountable. Well, that where, individualism, the price yeah. to pay for that is a loss of connection. Totally. Yes, Marjorie. Yes. That's so right. That's exactly what I was reaching for. Sorry. I interrupted you. (laughs) No, you weren't interrupting me. You were saying what I was trying to get to. That's so right. The price to pay for that is a loss of connection. You're absolutely right. And so if you can get to a point where you start to understand that that feeling I am good is different from feeling good, feeling fulfillment is different from feeling happiness. I mean, we even changed that in the description of this podcast. We used to say that we wanted our homes to be a happy, healthy sanctuary. And we changed it to strong, beautiful sanctuary. You know, we changed it because we we didn't like the word happy in there. That strong, comfortable, beautiful felt more like what we were searching for than happy. That happy is that idea of feeling good, a fleeting thing. And strong, comfortable, beautiful was more in line with feeling I am good. And right. when you feel at your core, you know, and a lot of people would argue that a loss of connection with faith has led to this. But when you feel I am good and a connection to a greater power, there's just so much less pressure to have <laughs> to like try to make every minute count. I mean, it's just we've we've set ourselves up for just this exhaustion. Gardening well, to me is a slowdown and a connection and a peace and a sense of accomplishment and also always never fails when I look at something in the garden. I am filled with a sense of wonder of how oh. does this even happen? Oh. And the, the biggest thing for me is whenever I, I plant that. anything that vines. <laughs> so I love to plant, you know, I have cucumbers going, which have kind of been overtaken by my tomatoes right. this year. And I, and I love to plant squash which take up a lot of space. And so I like to trellis up so that things can climb up. So I've got more room. And there are these little tendrils that shoot out from the plants of vining plants and they find something to curl themselves around and latch onto and hold onto. And I'm not kidding, Marjorie. I mean, I could cry every time I look at it and every, when the first ones pop and start to just reach up and climb, I just think like, God is so good. Like, this is so good. How, how is this so good? And I'm just so happy that I get to see it. 
I love that. I love that. And <laughs> and you will love this, Elizabeth. So I got a text yesterday because clearly my sweet neighbor in Kansas had listened to our last podcast where we where I talked about sort of my sad little strip of a garden <laughs> and 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 your bountiful harvest. And she texted me a picture of these huge sunflowers that were growing in her yard. And we had already her name is Tammy. She and I are planning to use this one spot in 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 on on my yard to do a bigger garden next year and we're gonna do it together. Great. And so she she sent me a text of her sunflowers and she said, Next year, Marjorie, we're gonna have a garden that's gonna make Elizabeth so proud. <laughs> Any garden makes me proud. That's a fun thing, too. You talk about building community. My neighbor loves to garden, too. And so we were talking about next year. She doesn't have as much um, sunlight as I do in my part. And so she does really great with, like, lettuces and stuff like that that just need a little bit more cool. And I do really well with the things that need the heat. She can, she has a really hard time growing peppers and my, my, I can do peppers in my spot. So we were discussing, okay, let's strategize and I'll grow more of those hot crops over on my side and you can grow more lettuces and then we can, we swap over the fence and there is something really beautiful about that community. And there's a reason why community gardens are community gardens. I mean, right. You go out there and you talk to people and you see what they're doing. And I love to wander through and see how are they mulching? How, what are they using for a trellis? What's happening here? Because, but, what a great, but what a great thing, even for neighbors, for you to be yes. able to, to pass food back and forth over the fence. I mean, that's going to build in its own way is going to build a connection that's deeper than just waving and saying hi. It's so true. It's so true. So do you want a couple tangible tips as you're planning for next year? Yes. Okay. Because if you and your neighbor are thinking about doing this garden, so this is a really good time. We just talked on Twin Cities Live with Larry Farr, who is a gardening expert here in the Twin Cities. We love Larry. He said now is a really great time to plan out where you want to put your garden for next year. And what that means is looking at where the sun, where it's the most sunny in your yard. So you really need for a lot of crops like tomatoes and peppers and things like that, you need at least eight hours of full sun a day. And so take a look out there, just take some notes even, have a little notebook and just jot down like the times of day and take a look and see what's in full sun. Maybe draw out your yard and then kind of just put sunshines in the time of day so that you can keep an idea of where it's the most sunny. And then the other thing that you'll want to do is start preparing the soil. Soil is the most important part of gardening. If you don't have great soil, it's virtually impossible to grow things. So that means bringing in compost and starting a compost pile. You could start that now and then start using it next year. And there are, I'm a big fan of the three bin system where you put your scraps and your leaves and all of that, and then let that sit for a year. And then, and as you're letting that one sit, you use the second bin to fill up. As you're letting that one sit, you let the, you fill up the third one. And then, And then so on and so forth. And so what you'll do is you'll end up with just super rich compost to add to your garden. And that will in turn 
I mean, attract tons of worms who are just always composting in there. And you'll have just really healthy soil without having to use any chemicals. And you can minimize fertilizers and things like that, too. So, And you need, and you need to do that even if you're doing a raised bed, right? You should, oh, have, yeah. you should be composting. Yeah. yeah. And you can okay. buy compost. Right. But, but it's cheaper and easier right. if you can just make it yourself. Plus, you right. end up... Like I put all the, I'm going to clean out the chicken coop today and I'll put all of the pine shavings in the compost bin. And then then that's the stuff that I'll end up putting in next year into the garden. So you kind of, you can get on a little system there. And then the other thing that's fun too is to just start thinking about ways that you can grow up trellises. Like this is a really good time of year to buy equipment for your garden and buy things because a lot of stuff will end up going on sale. Sale, yeah. And so thinking about like pretty little things that you can put in the garden that will help you grow up so that you can grow cucumbers that vine up. And then also make a list of the things that you're loving to eat this time of year. Make a list of the things like, oh gosh, we love cherry tomatoes. Or every time I go to the farmer's market, I buy tons of basil, whatever it is. Just jot those things down so that when you're prioritizing what to plant next spring, you already have an idea of the things that you'll really use the most. So That's those great. are some things to kind of get thinking about as you want to plan a little bit of space to grow something. Grow anything. You'll be so happy. <laughs> and I love that it just starts with the harvest, and then we always take it somewhere else. <laughs> and then we come right back. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Listen, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. You found a really succinct, fabulous review this week, Marjorie. <laughs> yes. It's so from good. Lead, from Lead 1951. Love these two. Great, happy podcast. It's so good. And we didn't even cry today, so we lived up to that. (laughs) That's right. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.